The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're and here. welcome to a happy Halloween episode. We are going to tell you the story of a small town in a heinous crime that definitely changed it forever. And changed the way you thought of shit and the way you think of stuff. Yeah. Everything. So this episode is coming a day early because this is a Halloween special. Yes, it and is. And you will understand why. Yes, it is. On a sad note, though. One of our favorite actors passed away this past week. I'm Mithy, so sad. Mithy, Mr. Matthew Perry or Mr. Mrs. Chenandler Bong. I'm a Friends fanatic, so yeah. that one was rough. And in memory of him, I, Gina's and I have agreed that this month's Patreon pledges that we have is going to be donated to, what's it called? Perry House. Perry House in Malibu, California. It's Matthew Perry's sober living facility. Yep, sober living facility. So I think that, that if you guys want to donate extra, let us know. I'll put a link in the comments if you guys want to donate on your own. But I know that we're just we're we're sad. Yes, yes. It's like losing a friend, which is weird, right? But it is. Well, I mean, we grew up watching him and everything. So right. Anyway, back to the story. So. Halloween story. I've got a freaky one for you. The landscape of horror cinema as we know it today was highly influenced by one Midwestern serial killer. Did you know that? I did not. So I don't know if you guys are scary movie people, but I am. And I did not realize so many horror villains sort of had the same origins. This killer's crimes were so horrendous that they inspired some of the most notorious horror film villains of all time. These include Norman Bates from Psycho, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. (laughs) And like, I like all of these movies... But when you watch a scary movie, it's pretend. You don't think about it being for real. I remember people saying that they didn't like Texas Chainsaw because it had really happened. And it turns out it was based on a somewhat true story. Although his body count was much smaller than a lot of other American serial killers, Ed Gein fascinated and horrified the entire world when his crimes were uncovered. This is the story of real-life horror, the story of Ed Gein. Edward Theodore Gein was born August 27, 1906 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. He was the youngest of two boys born to George and Augusta Gein. George was an abusive alcoholic who owned a grocery store in La Crosse, while his wife Augusta was a devout Lutheran who preached her extreme religious views to her husbands and son. Or her husband and sons. Plural on the sons, not the husband. I was about to say, maybe we need to go to Lutheran. Right. Sure. 
Augusta moved her family to lacrosse, um, from lacrosse to Plainfield, Wisconsin, because she wanted to get them into a smaller community. She wanted to get them away from people she considered impure and an atmosphere she considered impure. So she moved them to Plainfield, which had about 700 residents at the time. With the money they received from selling their grocery store, they purchased a 155-acre farm in Plainfield. Now, some sources say 195-acre farm. Others said, most of them said 155. So however big it is, it, that's a pretty large piece of property. Yeah, that's not a small farm. Right. Especially for back then. Once living in Plainfield, Augusta isolated her sons from the outside world. Ed stopped going to school after seventh grade. Now, I will say that probably wasn't all that uncommon. He was born in 1906. So you're talking like not even the 20s yet. So, I mean, that was probably not that uncommon for kids not to go to school past the seventh grade. Right. And after that, he worked on his family's farm. Augusta taught her sons, Ed and Henry, that women were naturally promiscuous and evil. Women are the root of all evil. This sounds like the start of a, of a horror movie. Right. She spent every afternoon reading to her sons from the Old Testament in the book of Revelations. She preached to them about evil, death, murder, and divine retribution. Despite his lack of education and socialization, Ed was actually of average intelligence, and he was a really good reader. But he didn't develop social skills, and his mother forbade him from having friends or socializing. The makings of a true horror story. Right. I mean, more or less, you know, dating. That was completely out of the question. Right. On April 1st, 1940, George Gein died of a heart attack secondary to his alcoholism. He was 66. To help cover the expenses on the farm, Ed and Henry started doing odd jobs around Plainfield in addition to their farm chores. And Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors. Although he was somewhat strange, the neighbors trusted him. He was somebody that, you know, yeah, he's a little weird. But everybody knew him. Everybody kind of liked him, what they knew of him. And they trusted him. They let him watch their kids and fix things in their house. Following George's death, though, Henry began to sort of rebel a little bit. And he started to speak out against his mom. He shared his feelings with Ed. He was questioning some of these things that his mom was teaching. And, and you know, maybe even questioning his mother's sanity a little bit. And Ed was really upset about this. He was shocked and he was hurt. And you have to understand that Ed worshipped his mother. He idolized her. And he didn't appreciate his brother's comments or the disrespect he felt that his brother was showing towards their mother. On May 16th, 1944, Ed and Henry were burning away marsh vegetation on the farm. And the fire got out of control. The fire department arrived, and when they got there, Ed told them that he could not find Henry. He didn't know where his brother was. But then, oddly, he led the fire department directly to Henry's body. Kind of strange if you don't know where he's at, right? Yeah, that is a little awkward. Henry Gein was found face down. He appeared to have been dead for more than just a little bit. I mean, not, we're not talking like decomp or anything, but he hadn't just died a few minutes ago. He was not burned, but he was bruised and they found bruising around his head. 
The cause of death was ruled accidental without an autopsy being performed. Although many speculate now, in retrospect, that Ed likely killed his brother, sort of a Cain and Abel kind of situation. Um, they felt like Ed probably was upset that Henry was rebelling against Augusta and possibly killed Henry. Henry Gein was 43 years old when he died. And following his death, Ed and his mother lived alone on the farm. Augusta Gein did not handle her oldest son's death well at all, though. And as what's reported as a result of that, of course, like in the medical world, we don't always necessarily know that. But it seems like she handled it poorly. Her health declined and she suffered a stroke shortly after Henry's death. Okay. Following her stroke, Augusta was paralyzed and required total care. And luckily for her, she had a devoted son. And Ed cared for her. And, you know, he just did everything. He worshipped her. That was his whole life, was his mother. Augusta, though, she continued to struggle with her health and she suffered yet another stroke. And then she deteriorated rapidly. And she passed away on December 29th, 1944. Now Ed was alone on the family farm. He continued to live in this farmhouse, which did not have running water or electricity. Now, I don't know how, was that, like 1944, They it was probably rare not to have electricity, wouldn't you not think? Not really, not on a farmhouse. Like, on a farmhouse, it would still be, question, like, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you got to remember, like, you just got done with the Depression, like, Depression, what, less than 20 years ago. Yeah. You're in the midst of World War II. So, I, I mean, mean the economic boom was starting. Right. I mean, it's. I don't know. It seems like it seems a little bit weird that they didn't have electricity. Right. Running water, though. I mean, I'm sure like it's weird that he didn't have like a well or something. Right. You know, Ed supported himself by performing odd jobs around town as a handyman, babysitting and selling parts of the large property. He also received additional farm subsidies from the federal government. At home, he kept a shrine to his mother by keeping her bedroom exactly as it was when she was alive and boarding up the room. So starting to give you sort of Norman Bates vibes here. Yeah, like now it's starting to see like I'm starting to see the offshoots of where the different (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. films are coming from. Yeah. He lived in squalor. There was trash and junk occupying most of the house. So think like hoarders times a thousand. Like, this was a disgusting house. No running water, no electricity, garbage everywhere, shrine to mama. Right. Fucking weird. So if we fast forward a a couple of years, well, actually more than a couple. Like 13. um, We're going to fast forward to November 16th, 1957. 58-year-old Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden was working alone in her store. It was the start of hunting season, so almost every single male in this town of 700 is out hunting. Hunting was more than a hobby. It was like the way of life. If they had to go out and hunt, so they had meat all winter. So, like, everybody's gone. It's a ghost town. Um, But when Bernice's son came to the store at the end of his hunting day, he couldn't find his mom. But he did find a pool of blood. So, instantly... We know that there was some kind of violent struggle. Something happened here. If she was, if it was accidental, she'd still be there. So, um, 
He, of course, calls the police. And on the counter, the investigators find a sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze that had been purchased that day by Ed Gein. Bernice's son speculated that Ed may have had something to do with the disappearance because he'd been hanging around the hardware store a lot lately. So investigators decide to head out to the Gein farm and look for signs of this missing woman. By this time, it was dark. The home was all locked up. Ed was not home. They had flashlights, and so they decided to go search one of the outbuildings. And that's where something grisly happened. Now, mind you, this is real life. This is not a scary movie, but this sure scares the shit out of me. One officer felt something brush against him. And so he shined his light on the object. And it was the hanging corpse of Bernice Warden. Bernice had been decapitated and hung upside down with her legs in a crossbar and her um, at her ankles and her wrists and ligatures. She had been dressed like a deer after being shot with a 22 caliber rifle. That's like Texas chainsaw, ain't it? Like, yes. it, like that's what they, just like you brush I, against something and it's oh, bleh, God gives me the heebie jeebies. Yeah, that's that. That's it's, okay. So we've got two of two now. Yeah. That's, oh, God. I couldn't imagine being the officer finding that. Oh, my God. So soon after, police locate Ed Gein in town, and they arrest him under suspicion of murder, clearly. And at this point, they're able to get a search warrant to perform a thorough search of Gein's property. And this search horrified authorities. I mean, horrified. This was not something that had been seen anywhere before. Inside the home, they found multiple human bones, a wastebasket made of human skin, chair covers made of human skin, human skulls on the bedposts, several female skulls, bowls made from human skulls, and I guess Ed Gein had had a neighbor over at some point in time or went to a neighbor's or something and had brought soup and now this neighbor's wondering if the soup wasn't in a human skull they found a corset made from a female torso a vest made of female breasts leggings made of human skin and multiple masks made from human faces i just threw up a little bit in my mouth yeah okay so there's texas chainsaw that's yeah that's the buffalo bill making human suits body suits oh god could you just imagine something no, like that I, happening? I, like, I really don't want to No, because it's like it. a movie. You, you don't think this crap is real, no. but it is. Police also found the remains of a woman who had disappeared from Plainfield three years earlier. Her name was Mary Hogan. She was born in Germany in 1901, and she immigrated to the United States in 1914. She settled in Plainfield, Wisconsin, where she owned a bar. Now, what's interesting is Mary looked very similar to Augusta Gein. Very similar. But her behavior could not have been more different. While Augusta was a devout religious Lutheran, Mary Hogan was not. She ran a bar. She cursed like a sailor. Totally different person. The kind of woman that her mom was or his mom was trying to warn her about, I guess. 
Before she disappeared in 1954, Ed Gein had been hanging out frequently at the bar. It's almost like he kind of became a little bit obsessed with her. Right. Maybe because she did look similar to his mother. Inside the Gein home, they found Mary's skull in a box, and they also found a mask made from the skin of Mary's face. They found Bernice Warden's head and her heart was found in a plastic bag near the stove. That led many to believe that he had planned to eat it. Jeez. Right? (laughs) Oh, wow. Right? You just don't believe this crap is real, but it is. This sounds like a horror movie that were like, that's been like a well-written horror movie. Uh Uh-huh. The lawmen found even more horrific pieces of evidence inside Gaines' home. This included nine vulva in a shoebox. Yes. I'm trying to figure out how you get the vulva skin. Like, did he just take like the skin and the tissue? I don't want to even I don't want to imagine it. I don't know. There's some theories that maybe he was transgender and wanted to become a woman. So he was making, you know, like Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs making that. Other people believe maybe he wanted to become his mother or bring his mother back. I don't know. They also found a dress from a young girl, a belt made of female nipples. Again, what? Um, they found four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade, fingernails, and fingers from multiple women. The horrors that occurred on the Gein property were so shocking to investigators and locals. And soon this story made international news and it drew media from around the world to this tiny Wisconsin town. Confronted with the evidence, Ed Gein admitted to murdering Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden. He also confessed to robbing at least nine graves, which he claimed is where the other body parts came from that were found in his house. He led investigators to the graves that he robbed and the caskets were in fact empty. So it it corroborated his story that he had only killed those two or so he says, but he had robbed graves. And so he later explains that he would look at the obituaries and he would find females that were usually older, middle-aged or his mother's age-ish, somewhere around there. And he would look for when the funerals and stuff would be. And after the funerals, he would go to the funeral or the cemetery at night and dig up the grave and take the body and then rebury the casket. Inside one casket, they found a crowbar belonging to Ed Gein. Ed explained that he was trying to create a woman's suit. And he also said at one point that he wanted to make a suit that looked like his mother so he could see what it felt like to be in her skin. Oh, my God. Right? (laughs) So he's grave robbing. Then he goes to murder. And then he's got a whole house made of human remains. Fuck. Belts and nipples and vulvas. Oh, my God. I know. Like, this is a fucking weird ass story. Right? Um, There are some disappearances that some believe Ed Gein may have been a part of, even though he denied committing any other murders besides those of Bernice and Mary. Um, He is believed, obviously, to be involved with the death of his brother, Henry. 
as well as the disappearance of eight-year-old Georgia Weckler, who disappeared on May 1st, 1947. She was last seen in a gray and black Ford, and Ed Gein had owned a vehicle that matched that description at the time. But there was never any evidence that conclusively linked him to her disappearance. There, her body was not found in the Gein home, which I think if he had killed her, we would have found her pieces of her. I mean, he certainly wasn't just disposing of victims. Right. Evelyn Hartley, age 15, went missing while babysitting in in La Crosse on October 24th, 1953. Victor Travis, age 41, disappeared while deer hunting on November 1st, 1950. Oddly, he was hunting on the property adjacent to the Gein Farm. So that is why a lot of people believe that Ed maybe snatched him up, Texas Chainsaw style, sort of. James Walsh, age 32, disappeared on in June of 1954. He lived near Ed Gein, and Gein often helped his wife with household chores following the man's disappearance. No evidence, though, conclusively linked Gein to any of these murders, but he is a suspect in all of those cases for obvious reasons. And I see the similarities, but then again, it seemed like he was looking for middle-aged women that right. reminded him of his mother. So I don't know if he was involved in those or not. But, you know, when you find a house of horrors like the Gein house, it's kind of hard not to suspect him of being involved. I mean, clearly he was capable. <laughs> right. On November 1st, 1957, Gein was arraigned on first-degree murder in the charge and charged for the deaths of Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity. He would only end up being tried for uh, Bernice Warden's murder. Gein was evaluated by mental health experts who diagnosed him with schizophrenia. He was found mentally incompetent to stand trial, and he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane in Wisconsin. In 1968, so 11 years later, doctors determined that he was now capable of standing trial. It was determined that he was guilty but insane, and so he was sent back to the state mental hospital to be live out the rest of his life there. I mean, he was committed for life. Um, the property, in the meantime, became a tourist attraction. People became obsessed with the story and began to travel to the tiny town. So what I will say is I am somebody who drives by murder houses. I'm not going to lie. It's fascinating to me. Um, But I can see where that would be annoying if you lived in that area, especially with what happened. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want that next to me. Right. You know, but it is something that I do. So I understand people's curiosity with wanting to drive by um, and see it. I don't know. It's just, right. it's our morbid curiosity. But the local people hated that attention and they feared that it would be worse when the Gein property and Ed Gein's belongings were auctioned off. The auction was scheduled for March 30th, 1958. But on March 20th, a fire started in the house. No cause was determined, but the house was completely destroyed by the fire. It's highly suspected the townspeople started the fire to avoid the home being sold and used as a tourist attraction. Uh, The fire chief never did determine the cause of the fire, but it should be noted the fire chief was Frank Warden, Bernice Warden's son. So, I mean, he really wasn't too motivated to... No, I mean, yeah, I'd be like, nope, I have no clue what started it, guys. 
I mean, there's no electricity, no running water in it, but yeah, it was an electrical fire. <laughs> right. Upon learning that his home had been destroyed, Gein said, just as well. His vehicle was sold at auction for $760 and it was sold to a carnival or, you know, somebody that owned a carnival and it was used as a sideshow. Viewers would pay 25 cents to see the vehicle Ed Gein transported his victims in. The American obsession with true crime had begun. Ed Gein died in the mental institution at age 77 of lung cancer on July 26, 1984. He was buried next to his mother. And in 2000, somebody stole his headstone. I believe it was sold on eBay and then found later and returned, but it was never placed back out because right. they said people would just continue to right. vandalize I mean, it. Because at that, by the 2000, people realized who, like, the stories that they grew up, like the horror movies they grew up watching were actually based on a true fucking person. Yeah. Creepy as hell. Creepy as shit. He, so the other interesting thing, in all of his years at the mental institution, he was known as like the quote unquote model patient. Yeah. Um, he was always well behaved. He never really got in trouble. He was easygoing. Um, one of the sources had somebody that was in the hospital as a patient as well at the same time. And they said they played cards with him on a regular basis and he was just an even keel person jeez but capable of of that of atrocities ed gein became the basis for many of our modern horror movies that you might be watching tonight on halloween uh, the horror movies villains and urban legends that filled our childhood many of which were inspired by ed gein and it was also the start of the obsession with true crime right he became the basis for Norman Bates and Psycho, which obviously that, you know, the part of the psyche that translates where he, you know, was obsessed with his mother. Yeah. Psychologists believe that Ed lost touch with reality after the death of his mother. And so he tried to recreate her using the corpses of women. I'm surprised you didn't say that like his mom was like found mummified on her bed or some shit. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, he never disrupted her grave. Gein was also the basis for Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, clearly. With yeah. Gutting people in your house. He was also the basis for Buffalo Bill, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. You know, trying to make a human suit for a woman. Um, Garland Green from Con Air. I didn't know that. So like, who was Garland Green? Garland Green was, uh, God, what's the guy's name? He's in all of the Adam Sandler movies. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Uh, Steve Buscemi? Yeah! It's Steve Buscemi, the guy that was, like, a cannibal. And they kept him locked up. And, like, uh, he was basically... Uh, God, who's the guy from Silence of the Lambs? Buffalo... Or, um... The Hannibal main, Lecter? Yeah. He was okay. basically a Hannibal Lecter-type character in Con Air. Okay, well, he was inspired by Ed Gein. Dr. Oliver Threston from the TV series American Horror Story Asylum. I could see that. I have never watched American Horror Story. I oh my god. To. I we think I would need, love it. We we're we're doing that in the in the spirit of Halloween, we're starting that journey. Okay. If I have to watch the whole 9 yards, we're watching American Horror Story. Okay. 
And he also was the inspiration for Rob Zombie's film House of a Thousand Corpses. I could never watch that movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. It was just too over-the-top gruesome. So, like, I love scary movies, but I have a very particular brand of scary movie. I've seen Texas Chainsaw. It's okay. That's not my favorite kind of scary movie. I'm more of a Nightmare on Elm Street girl. Right. Kind of mix that psychological with the slasher, but, like... (laughs) Scream, love them. I love the Scream movies. Yeah, like, like, but I could never, like, I was never, like, the Saw movies. No, I, I don't like, like I don't like, I, I don't need you to be, like, gross just to be, like, or, you know, violent right. just to be violent. Like, give me some basis behind it. I don't want it, oh, you want to play a game? I don't need that. Right. No, I don't like the Human Centipede. I had no, I never wanted to watch that movie. Right. You know, but, like, yeah, you got me into, like, Nightmare on Elm Street and the Jasons and all that shit and the jasons are okay you know halloween eventually there's no storyline and it's just boring but again jason obsessed with his mother right i mean think about it right i can't you can't say that he wasn't inspired no by ed gein he very well could have been probably was probably if you guys want all the information on this week's story, you guys can head over to the MidwestCrimeFiles.com. Click on the link to get you to the, to the latest blog post. You can scroll all the way down and see all the reference that Gina uses to write these wonderful stories. And if you like us just a little bit, maybe you can head on over to Patreon slash the Midwest Crime Files and become a Patreon member. All right. And in that spirit, have a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. <laughs>